Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Hello, Paula. Hello, Mr. Coach Roberts. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. Thought we had a really fun day today. It was a good day. Yep. My son, our son, Jacob, and his wife, Shelby, came over with sweet Ellie Ann, and we played with her and had lunch and just had a good time. But when she took her nap, which she took a two-hour nap today, thanks to her awesome granddaddy getting her to sleep, we decided to play a game. Now, if any of you know me, you know I like playing short, mindless games that just kind of get your mind off everything, like skip bow. We think we've discussed that we before. Have. But today, I put aside all that because my wonderful hubby and my son like challenging games that require a lot of thought. So, Jacob brought a game over called Escape Room in a Box. Flashback. Three paths in 90 minutes. (laughs) It's one of these games that you can only play once, and he was sharing it with us. He was. And I'll have to actually admit, I enjoyed it, and I think all of us contributed. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we've played these escape room board games before, and sometimes we've had to use hints, and sometimes uh, one person typically Jacob, is doing all the puzzle solving. But (laughs) this time, I think we all contributed. This one was more enjoyable, and we didn't need any of the hints today. We needed zero hints, and we had over six minutes to spare, and the werewolf did not eat us. That is a good thing. So there you go. That's a good thing. And then sweet Ellie Ann woke up about ten minutes after the game was over. She did. So, a few nights ago, you and I were getting ready for bed, and we decided to watch some TV just to wind down, and to my surprise, on our DVR, there was a recording of a triathlon. Oh my goodness, his face lit up. He just couldn't believe it. So, our TV service is set up so that anything related to triathlon gets recorded, but that's really rare. This year, yeah. There's no events to record this year. Not very many. But there was this one. It was the Champion Daytona event, and we were excited. This was the Professional Triathlete Organization 2020 Championship, PTO. The venue was awesome. If this race is ever open to the public, we're signing up, and we're going to go do this event. It was completely within the Daytona Motor Speedway. I mean, talk about a cool venue. Pandemic, goodbye, signing up for this race. Yeah, just think about if the pandemic wasn't going on, how neat would it be to be a spectator in the grandstand of a NASCAR track watching all these professional triathletes compete? Now, you might need binoculars at some parts because... 
the facility is huge, but still, where else would you be able to experience like the whole event of the uh, the best athletes in the world? Well, I do think it would be fun to spectate, but oh my goodness, I would love to compete that race if they had an age groupers division. Yeah. Without a pandemic, you would think it, they would? Just think how much fun it would be to ride your bike on a NASCAR track. Yeah. It was a, what, a two and a half mile track, banked curves. That'd be pretty cool. It was interesting watching strategy too because some of the riders would actually go out onto the bank a little bit and others would just hug the inside to go the shortest distance. So mm-hmm. it was interesting to watch different strategies. Yeah. So the swim was two laps in a lake in the infield. And I've watched the Daytona 500 before. I'd never noticed a lake in the middle. And then the bike and the run were laps around the racetrack. The total event distance was 100K, made up of a 2K swim, 80K bike, and an 18K run. So this translates into 1.2-mile swim, 50-mile bike, and 11-mile run. So just a little bit less than the half Ironman distance. Yeah. So this was the PTO championship, which consisted of really some of the same pro athletes that if you watch World Ironman Championships, the names would have been familiar, many of them. Yeah, yeah. And this was fun to watch before we went to bed. But one thing that surprised me was that a few of the pro athletes were walking on the run. If you've watched an age group triathlon event before, you've probably seen people walking on the run but not pro athletes. Alistair Brownlee, he's been one of the top triathletes for a while. He was ranked second in the world this year, and he started walking while being in the lead of the race, and then he eventually dropped out with a calf injury. Several others walked on the run. Laura Phillip finished third on the podium by being able to press through her leg cramps. Just watching this event reminded me that professional athletes are human. They have their good days and their bad they experience some of the same struggles that you and I experience when we train and race. Yeah, and I know we have several athletes who have struggled with cramps in some of their training and in some of their events, and I haven't ever had cramping during an actual race event, but I know in many swim practice sessions, for whatever reason, my feet will sometimes just cramp up and my toes start doing really weird things. I remember you having toe cramps at the Salisbury Cheap Marathon. You were about a quarter mile from the finish line and I was cheering you on and you stopped a quarter mile from the finish line running faster than your Boston Marathon time and I'm saying you only have a quarter mile to go (laughs) finish but my toes are cramping. He turned around, looked at me, and said, "What are you doing?" <laughs> but what he didn't know was, in this was a six-lap course, and for some reason yes. in my mind, I had convinced myself that if I got through lap five, that lap six would be a breeze. False. Meanwhile, in lap five, my toes started cramping, but I just kind of ignored it and went on. But by lap six, like I felt like my toes were actually underneath the ball of my foot like and then when you had turned around and said what are you doing literally my whole foot was locked up and you said what are you doing and you pointed and at that point I could see and I don't even think I was a quarter mile away it wasn't far I mean I could see the finish line I'm like I don't care if my foot falls off I was so surprised that you stopped 
<laughs> what are you doing? That's exactly what you said, too. But anyway, yes. Let me just tell you, it was really uncomfortable. Now that you mention it, my toes did start cramping beginning at about mile 25 at this year's Grand Rapids race, as well as at the race you were talking about. I do know why this happened at Grand Rapids, though. Bethany was handing our nutrition to us each lap, but for whatever reason, even though I had practiced it, I could not get my race nutrition down in Grand Rapids. Yeah, I was really surprised. I was running with you, and I was carrying some of your nutrition, and mile after mile, you just kept focusing on running and not asking for any nutrition, and and when I asked if you wanted something, you just said you didn't need anything. But I did. Yeah. So I've had some calf cramps when biking in my first triathlon, which I've mentioned before, Lakewood Valley. I was almost last out of the lake. So as a newbie triathlete some 20 years ago, I thought I could make up time on the bike. So I hammered the bike and I learned a lesson. It was a hilly course. As I was nearing the dismount line, my calves were cramping. I was barely able to get off the bike. Then my run was more like a hobble until they loosened up a bit. What should have been my strongest leg ended up being a real struggle because I overbiked. Yeah, and we've seen that a lot over the years. Athletes give everything they have on the bike, like they completely forget what they're supposed to be doing, and they just have nothing left for the run. In late summer of 2016, I did the Southern Indiana Tribe Club 70.3 on a relay team. Liz was the swim leg, I was the bike leg, and Kelly was the running leg. And honestly, this is the only time I put everything I had into a bike race. Typically, I'm pretty conservative on the bike because I'm saving for the run, as my coach tells me to do often. I finished a good 12 minutes before I had told Kelly when to be ready for the run. I mean, I hammered the bike. I think the biggest reason was I was scared to death I was going to get lost. There were very few people out there, and I could see one guy way out in front of me. And so I was doing everything I could to keep him in my sight, and I was hammering the bike. i tell you what I was scared of that day was that the roads were open and there was nobody covering the intersections so you're racing, but you still had to slow down and watch for traffic. But it was country roads, little used roads, but you still had to be careful. You definitely had to be careful. So anyway, I think poor Kelly didn't even get to warm up before her run. She saw me coming in and was like, oh, Liz, I got to go. <laughs> but You were just so fast. <laughs> that was it. So the reason I even mention this is because when I went to clip out, and get off my bike, my legs literally collapsed under me and cramped. And it's a good thing Liz was there to help me because I was not going to be able to use my legs. It was probably 30 minutes before I was walking around semi-pain-free. Yeah. Did your relay team win that day? I don't even remember. I think they did. Yeah, maybe. It was a fun day, I know that. But it just reiterated in my mind the reason why... We need to make sure our athletes don't overbike because you can definitely kill your <laughs> kill your race on the bike if you overbike, which I definitely did. But, I mean, every muscle in my leg locked up that day. 
I know I've actually seen t-shirts that say triathlon, swim, overbike, walk. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. So we really try to stress with our athletes to be patient and consistent so that when they do get on the run, they can enjoy passing all the people on the run that are walking because they overbiked. I remember we had an athlete Boston qualify one year who cramped up as he crossed the finish line and he started to walk, but he didn't walk very far. He just collapsed, writhing in pain. And his sweet wife and the medical personnel were doing everything they could, like pressing his feet, like flexing his toes toward his knee, trying to get him. I mean, he was screaming in pain. So he he really left it all out there to reach his big goal that day. Yeah. After my first cramping experience, I became more restrained on the bike and ran much better. And you mentioned cramping on the swim. I've never had the foot cramps that you've had, but I have had calf cramps when I've swam. So I don't have a strong kick. So I really try to focus on keeping my ankles flexed with my toes pointing backwards just to minimize the drag. But when this cramp hits, I have to flex the other way and it's like dropping an anchor that doesn't reach the bottom. I immediately notice the increased resistance in my arms pulling through the water. I remember another experience, my first trip to Boston back in 2009. I didn't experience the cramping myself, but for some reason I have this image in my mind of a man standing in the grass on the side of the road somewhere just after the Newton Hills, just bent over in pain from leg cramps. It wasn't a pretty picture. His big day at Boston didn't turn out like he had hoped. Yeah, and I, with the marathons I've run and spectated, it seems like the warmer the, the race is, the more the cramping carnage you see along the way. Just yeah, people I agree. at the side trying to stretch out those cramps. But let's talk a little bit about cramping. First of all, I guess the best way to describe what a cramp is or they're definitely painful, but they're involuntary contractions of the muscle. So the muscle will actually tighten up, it'll shorten, and it just causes so much pain. And they can last a few seconds, they can last a few minutes. Either way, they can really put a damper on your race day. Yeah. In addition to the pain of cramps is the fact that there's no conclusive cure or prevention for cramps. When I encountered my cramps on the bike, it was obvious it was because I pushed too hard. Overdoing it was my cause, but other causes could be dehydration or lack of proper fueling. This could have been the case at Challenge Daytona because the field was so competitive and athletes were pushing their limits and the temperature was high, which may have meant needing extra hydration or electrolytes. Yeah, and of course I have a theory on this. If you want to know my theory. I do. I think these pros were pushing their limits because the prize purse was so huge. I mean, there really, there hasn't been very many opportunities for pro triathletes to make money this year. And It's a good point. The challenge, they really put the prize money out there. I think the purse total was maybe $1.5 I don't know how that broke down per individual place, but... There was money to be had. But besides that, there was added heat, fueling with sufficient carbs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, 
all that's just so important. But there are other factors in addition to heat that can increase the likelihood of cramps, which altitude would be a contributor to that as well as humidity, definitely. Also, swimming in cold water, I think, can be a contributing factor to this. So I think it's a really good idea to acclimate and get in the water beforehand, get your body used to those temperatures. And I believe the commentator said that the uh, temperature in that pond in the middle of the Daytona Motor Speedway was in the upper 60s. Yeah, that's cold. I mean, I feel like 82 degrees at our health club is cold. Yeah. I remember doing a uh, Rev 3 triathlon in Knoxville, Tennessee a number of years ago. It was a fun road trip, just me and my dad. My dad was my Sherpa that day, but we went at least a day early, and there was a practice swim. I think this was in May, but the water temperature in the river was cool. It was wetsuit legal. I remember getting into the cold water the night before the race, and I put my face in the water, and I started stroking, and I got dizzy because of the cold temperature, and I was really concerned about being able to race the next day, but I stayed in the water and got used to it a little bit. So I I really do agree, temperature in the water can have an impact on how you perform. I feel like that this is kind of a tangent, but I feel like when I got in that cold water in Indianapolis that year that it almost caused a shortness of breath that almost felt like hyperventilating. Yeah. So cold water, you know, it's thing. <laughs> that was not wetsuit legal. False. Yeah. We haven't been back to that one. I can think of one more cause of cramping. This is not necessarily endurance sports related. But I can remember when I was eight months pregnant with Bethany, I woke up one night and I was in severe pain. And you jumped up to get my suitcase because you thought I was in labor, (laughs) but it was actually a huge... I was ready to go. You were ready. (laughs) It was actually a big cramp in my calf, I guess a Charlie horse. So really, body chemistry and structure changes, I think, can contribute to cramping as well. Yeah. So we talked about some of the causes of cramping. Let's switch gears and talk about how to prevent cramping. It's always a good idea to warm up before any hard effort, whether it's a training day or a race day. And then after warming up, light stretching can help prepare your muscles for what you're asking them to do next. Yeah. I know there's also some things you can do on the bike that would prepare you to transition from the bike to the run. I know that when I did Ironman Louisville, you really encouraged me that when I got in that last half mile to take some time to get out of aero position and stretch my calves really well. And then you also encouraged me to put it in a light gear and increase my cadence and just kind of do some light spinning and yeah maybe i've lost i don't know 30 seconds or to a minute doing that but it was well worth it because i felt great on the run and did not cramp one of the things also that i think that can help in swimming is that toward the end if you really kick and flutter your legs exaggeratedly i know 
you know, an effective, efficient kick, you're mostly driving that from the hip. But toward the end, I actually did some flutter kicking from the knee just to get that circulation and the blood flowing in the lower legs before I exited the water. And I think that helps. Yeah. And you and I agree that practicing transitions is key to a well-rounded triathlon. This includes doing a lot of brick workouts where you finish a ride and immediately go for a run. For newer triathletes, this can be a struggle, but with practice, your body adapts to making this transition. Yes, and I know some coaches will debate this a little bit, but I am a huge fan of doing some really short transition runs after biking during training just to get those legs so used to going from the bike cadence to the run cadence. Also, did you know that there are some theories out there that eating bitter foods like pickle juice and mustard can shock your system and reset your system? (laughs) Well, I've never tried that. I'm not a fan of pickle juice or mustard. I've also heard a belief that pinching your upper lip just below your nose is a trigger point that can relieve cramps. It sounds hard to believe, but the body is a complex system of muscles and nerves. Maybe it works. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're onto something there. Why I don't actually cramp up on an actual swimming race day. Because when I get nervous, I bite my upper lip. It could be. So maybe I just need to bite my upper lip when I'm practice swimming, training and swimming. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I don't, you know, don't take that to the bank, but just thought of that. Anyway, like I mentioned before, getting in the water and swimming easy a bit. To allow your body to acclimate to the water temperature is a great idea. From experience, the two best ways to prevent cramps are to stay within your limits. Race the way you've prepared in training and what your data shows that you can do on race day. And then secondly, fuel properly. So how do you do this? Well, I think first of all, swim conservatively. Train a lot in swimming and get your body very conditioned to the swim and swim conservatively. You're not going to win a triathlon in the swim, but you can certainly set yourself up to lose a triathlon. Yeah, you can over swim just like you can over bike. Yes. If you have a power meter on your bike, ride within the power output that your coach has suggested based on your training. Don't try to break speed records on race day, even if you do come out of the water last. (laughs) Dean Roberts. Lesson learned. Yep. So be conservative on the bike. And then on the run, again, start out conservatively. Focus on the effort that compares to how you trained. But keep in mind the conditions and how they compare to your typical training environment. If you're racing at altitude or in warmer conditions, you'll need to lower your power output and your pace to stay within your limits. Yeah. And I feel like I say this a lot. I feel like a broken record, but you really do need to practice your nutrition and training so that you know your body and you know what your stomach can tolerate to get the nutrients in that you need. It's just so important. I know that training nutrition and race day nutrition is something that we emphasize with all of our athletes. With some of our athletes, we help them with daily nutrition, but that's kind of by their choice. But with training and race nutrition, it's something that we stress with everybody. 
So some people prefer gels. Some people prefer liquid-based fueling, like Osmo, which I use something. I either use Osmo or something that's components are similar to Osmo. I know you use Infinite, which is more customized. And you also use Gatorade and Powerade some. Yes. But it's it's so individual to each athlete. But all athletes need the calories, need the carbs, need the sodium, need the electrolytes. It's just learning which ones fit. And how much. And how much, yes. It's uh, critical to replenish these early and often. If you're already hitting the wall or if you're already cramping up, if you're already walking to the finish line, that's probably too late to start thinking about taking your nutrition. And I know with me, in the last couple of years, I make my own race nutrition. And I really like that because I can control exactly what's going into it. And that's really helped me optimize my fueling. Yeah. It's easy to get excited in the heat of the moment and push too hard or neglect the fueling you know you ought to do. I know I did that in my first Ironman. But in the end, more than likely, it'll turn out badly. So make a plan, test your plan, execute your plan. That's the key to success. So for this podcast, I was thinking about the word zealous. And I was thinking about this in the context of overbiking or overrunning, starting off too hard on the run. So here's a couple of scriptures I'd like to share. Galatians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good and to be so always, not just when I am with you. And then Romans chapter 10, verses 1, 2, and 3. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness." When racing, we need to race with the knowledge we have based on what we discussed with our coach and practiced. We can become zealous about crushing a personal best or finishing on the podium, but if it's not based on knowledge of our current abilities, it'll be in vain. Instead, we should be zealous to follow the plan. In life, we need to be zealous for God and His purposes. This zealousness needs to be all the time, not just when people are watching, and it needs to be based on the truth found in God's Word. I like it. Very good. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a part of the conversation, or if you have suggestions for topics for future podcasts, look us up on Facebook, RYR Endurance Team, and we will let you in our closed Facebook group. Thanks for listening. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.